0: Welcome to Bible Quest, the New York City, New Jersey Philly edition. I'm Jeff Smelser, and um, we are here every Wednesday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, except for last Wednesday we weren't. Joe and I were both traveling. Joe Works, who normally co hosts this webcast with me, is also traveling. He's away today and unable to join us. And so uh, I'm here by myself, although we do have a special guest today coming on in just a few minutes, and I'll introduce him uh, in just a few minutes. But I uh, want to tell you a little bit about our topic today. Uh, we there was this terrible shooting, this tragedy where worshipers in Texas um, were killed when a man started shooting outside of a church building, went inside, and Killed. I, I don't remember what the number is now. I'm not sure I ever saw the final number how many people died. In, uh, in, in view of that, there's been considerable discussion on Facebook and I guess social media generally, perhaps among people talking about Christians arming themselves, about churches having security plans. Um, and about what we should do if somebody comes in to do harm to people who are worshiping. We want to talk a little bit about that from a biblical perspective today, Um, not just from a perspective of uh, uh, my personal safety, but let's try to talk about it from God's Word. I expect today is going to be a kind of a lively uh, discussion. I expect that we'll have a number of you who will want to participate, and so I would encourage you to send your comments if you are Uh, Watching this by means of the Facebook live stream, you will be able to post comments there. Noah Andrews, our webcast engineer, will get those to us, and we'll try to address your comments and questions live during this webcast. If you're watching this by means of the BibleQuest.org page, the Zoom app, you can point your cursor to the bottom of the screen, and you'll see a little Q&A icon pop up. You can click on that and send us questions there and we can try to address them, uh, live during the webcast. So, uh, we are going to be joined by Calvin Schlebach. Calvin Schlebach preaches in Northern Indiana in Mishawaka, Indiana. I've known Calvin for a long time. I've known Calvin since we were in school together. Uh, and that's been my, that's been, I guess, 40 years ago. And, uh, Get to see him every now and then. He does a a lot of work preaching the gospel in Colombia, in South America. He's fluent in Spanish. Um, I'll tell you a little story about Calvin and uh, something that I appreciated him for recently. Just a few years ago, he and I were in a conference together where there were a number of preachers discussing. I think we're probably discussing the book of Leviticus. In any event, the particular topic that came up at the moment was atonement. And I was making some joke about how people say, you know, people say atonement means at-one-ment. And I just made the comment, of course, that's silly. That's not really where the word comes from. Um, And quietly, Calvin, who was sitting three or four seats down to my right, got up and walked over to me. And I think he handed me a note or whispered in my ear. I did not know this, but Calvin uh, shared with me there, that actually is the origin of the English word atonement. It actually goes back to at one. We are made at one with God. Um, that's not the meaning of the, of the words used in the original language, but uh, certainly the idea of atonement is something that makes it possible for us to be reconciled to God and at one with him. And that's where the English word comes from. I didn't know that and had kind of made myself look silly by laughing at the idea of that etymology. Anyway, Calvin Schleybach is here with us today, and we're going to bring him on right now. Calvin, I'm really glad to have you on the program. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Jeff, it is a real pleasure.
0: I think you need to click on your video uh, icon. Yeah, you to start my, my
1: video.
0: So I that love- we can see. Yeah, we, we need everybody to see you there. You're a good-looking guy <laughs> there.
1: Jeff, what a pleasure it is to be with you today. It's been a long time.
0: Yeah, it has been. I don't think I've seen you in a couple of years now, maybe. A couple,
1: yeah, yeah. Matt,
0: I'm not sure. Anyway, I see you now. You know, that's not true. I've not seen you in person for a couple of years. I saw you like this just about 10 minutes ago. (laughs) All
1: right. Well, speaking well, out about the technology.
0: Yes. Yeah, uh, we're talking about the technology, we had a little difficulty getting this worked out today. We, when we first got on, it's kind of making, making sure, a test run to make sure we could do this. Uh, we could see each other, but neither of us could hear each other. We had to pick up an old-fashioned... T- well, first of all, we were writing notes with pieces of paper and holding them up to the camera. Calvin, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us just kind of where you came from spiritually and how you came to be a preacher of the gospel, how you came to be a Christian first.
1: Oh, wow. That, that goes back quite a ways. Uh, uh, I, I was born in a denomination way back in the way back. I, I was born a Lutheran. That that wasn't my fault, wasn't my choice, but that's what happened. And uh, You I, were born that way. <laughs> <laughs> so it would seem. No, seriously, my, my mother was a Catholic, and my father was a Mennonite, and so I, I think you put a Catholic and a Mennonite in a blender, out comes Lutheran. <laughs> uh, that, was a, that was a compromise of sorts on their part. Uh, they're good people. That they, they taught me to believe in God, love the Lord, uh, and love His Word. Uh, I just never opened up the book to see what it said. And so I, I, I went on my merry way like that, and it wasn't until I was uh, 19 years old that I encountered a, an instructor in tech school uh, who was a Christian. And he was one of those unusual kind of Christians. He was one that opened his mouth and said something about it. Mm-hmm. And that just stunned me. Everybody else in class would say, Well, well I kind of think, you know, we're talking about religion. And, and well, my pastor says, and our church believes. But this fella would actually cite a verse in the Bible and then quote it. Mm hmm. And I never heard anybody talk like that before in my life. Mm-hmm. And I could argue with this other fellows, don't you kind of think? And that guy is my pastor says, but I can't argue with the Bible. And I just, I was stunned. And there were a handful of us that studied with him a little while longer. And, uh, and he had a question for you? He asked me the question that I believe is the stupidest question I've ever been asked in my life. <laughs> uh, he asked me, uh, do you want to be baptized? Why is that such a stupid question? Uh, man, what kind of a fool do you think I am? Now, you know, you've just shown me that that there is no baby sprinkling in the Bible. And, and therefore, my, my baby sprinkling baptism as a baby, that, that's, that's nothing biblically. You've just shown me that without baptism, I'm still in my sins. You've just shown me that in my sins, show me in the Bible that in my sins, I, I, I'm bound for hell. And now you ask me, do I want to be baptized? Well, of course I do. kind <laughs> <laughs> of a fool. You think I am?
0: Now at the time you were serving in the military, I believe, weren't you?
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, my, my dad had been a, a lifer in the military. And so when I was 18, I enlisted that was way back in the, in the Vietnam era. Uh, they didn't send me to Vietnam, they sent me to Thailand instead, but, um, and he you served he he four in years, air yes, force? Yes, sir. four years in the air force, got an honorable discharge just in case you've been hearing in the news recently about somebody getting a different kind of discharge. Well, that brings us to something that's been in the news recently. There was
0: a, uh, this, this shooter in Texas who did receive a dishonorable discharge. Um, uh, a bad it, conduct it, discharge, a bad, con- oh, okay. I'm, I'm not familiar with all the distinctions. Um, but he went in, and how many people did he kill in this church
1: building yeah. down there? This morning, the news reported that there have been 27, 26 deaths.
0: 26 deaths and
1: more injured. There's many that are critical and serious in the hospital right now. And that's
0: tremendous tragedy. I can't imagine uh, going through that. We, we, we see all kinds of tragedies in life, but I tried to just think about what if— I was sitting in a church building with my brethren in Christ and friends and loved ones and family members. And somebody comes in and, and starts killing people. And, and these people that I care deeply for uh, die. Um, it's just unimaginable to think about going through that. But in in response to that now, there's been a lot of discussion um, about, well, what should churches be doing in order to secure themselves? And much of that discussion has turned to um, Christians carrying guns so that they can defend uh, the congregants from somebody like that. Uh, I remember a few years ago, there were preachers whom, whom I know who were talking about uh, carrying weapons. In fact, one, if I recall, was saying he was thinking he needed to carry a weapon in case somebody came in to rob the collection, to take the money out of the collection plates and he was going to be packing heat to make sure that didn't happen. So we'll get started today with that topic and whether what what does the bible say our attitude should be not just about somebody coming into the church building but just about Uh, being willing to take life in order to defend our own life or the lives of others. Cal, you have some thoughts. And by the way, let me encourage our viewers uh, right off the bat. If you have something you want to say, or you want us to be sure and discuss some passage of scripture, you want us to be sure and address, get it to the Facebook page. Our web in our web uh, webcast engineer, Noah Andrews will get that to us uh, or get it to us through the Q and a icon and we'll try to get to your comment or question. Cal, where would you start to talk with people about this idea?
1: Well, wow. uh, there are a thousand things come to mind. Uh, well, let me, let me just ask you a specific question. Um,
0: is it all important that I save my life in the threat of violence?
1: You know what, Jeff? Uh, I hate to break the news to you, but you're going to leave this world dead. <laughs> really? To die. Uh, sooner or later. It's inevitable uh, unless Jesus comes back first. And, and so, uh, yes, there's none of us getting out of here alive.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, the question is uh, how am I going to die? Am I going to die uh, killing other people, or, or am I going to die uh, without human blood staining my hands? Okay. But let me just point out you, you talked about my having traveled to Colombia. I think most people recognize that Colombia has long been considered one of the most dangerous, uh, most violent countries in the Western Hemisphere. With the drug cartels and all that the down drug there. drug cartels, they have a civil war that's been going on for 50 years. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: are Christians involved? Do Christians get affected by that?
1: <laughs> they live there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are large parts of the country that are controlled by the rebels, not by the government. Mm-hmm. And my coworker and I, we we have gone and spent a long time in different parts of rebel controlled territory. We go places where the police doesn't go, Mm -hmm. where the army doesn't go, Navy Coast Guard doesn't go. Uh, And uh, it's not, not to sound uh, bragging or anything, but it's, it's a fearless kind of thing. Uh, There's no need to be afraid. Uh, I have been to the Philippines a number of times to preach uh, and especially the Southern Island of Mindanao, which is, ISIS infested and I have never once in my few years on this planet I have never once been in a situation where I wish I had a gun. What do you mean no need to be afraid what you said that just a moment ago what do you mean well, by that? One time there uh, one of my early trips down there a brother in church uh, had said oh oh brother Calvin you don't want to go there man then people will kill you mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know, the the day before there had been a shooting there in Cincinnati where I was living at that time. So the people kill you anywhere. And, and I said to him, well, Brother Bob, you're going to pray for me, aren't you? And he said, oh, yeah. And I said, well, then relax, because my boss has some influence down there also. <laughs> it's not just a north american god that we serve it's a universal god either he's got the whole world in his hands or he doesn't
0: well doesn't god need a little help though maybe cal don't you need to take a sidearm along i mean can you think you're just going to leave it up to god
1: uh one time uh i was on a bus that was hijacked by guys with guns uh, but that was in ecuador and everybody knows how safe ecuador is uh and and uh, 40 passengers, give or take, four or five guys with guns. I am so thankful that no passenger on that bus had a gun. Uh-huh. Because you, can you imagine? I mean, there's the middle of the night out in the mountains, of no, middle of nowhere. Can you imagine people start blasting off of their guns at one another in a situation like that? But it was nobody got killed. But my boss had it under control. <laughs>
0: the attitude that you're, that you're describing, I see that attitude in Revelation, the 12th chapter, In Revelation, the 12th chapter, it talks about the establishment of the kingdom of Christ Mm -hmm. and those who overcome because of the blood of the lamb. And here's the language. It's in verse 11. They overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they loved not their life, even unto death. I think that some of what I'm hearing today in some of the discussions about churches securing themselves and preachers packing heat or congregants packing heat to shoot some intruder who would come in and do harm to people, it sounds like people who cannot say they love not their lives even unto death. They might say they love not their lives up to a point, but if it Mm -hmm. comes to the point where they're going to have to die, they love their lives. They're willing to kill somebody to save their lives. That's what it sounds like that I'm hearing in some of this discussion.
1: And that's not the attitude we find in the New Testament, is it? No, no. And, I, I know people talk about somebody breaking into the house. You know, my TV set isn't worth somebody's life. I don't have any property that's worth someone's life. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not going to defend property.
0: What though, Cal, what if they're not going to take your TV set? What if they're going to shoot you? Or what if they're going to shoot your children or your loved ones or your wife?
1: Mm-hmm. And what Uh, the guy breaks in at the middle of the night and and how do I know what his intention is? Am I going to read his mind? Is it maybe a neighbor that that in in a drunken stupor uh, walked into the wrong house?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or
1: is it somebody playing a prank that there's so many possibilities. I'm not going to, to send somebody hurtling into eternity based on my assumption about what he is or isn't going to do.
0: And if, if I send him hurtling into eternity uh, as he's trying to kill people, he is going, he is going to be condemned eternally. Straight to and, him. and he has no opportunity to repent, to be forgiven of his sins. Even though Jesus died for him, I have assured he will never have the opportunity to, to turn back to the Lord and be forgiven of the things he's done wrong. I am in Christ. You are in Christ. Uh, If I die, I'm with the Lord for eternity. But this man needs to hear the gospel. got a couple of comments from viewers. One has uh, uh, this observation. Maybe in church we should turn pews towards the back door, put preacher in the back of the church. Just a
1: thought. (laughs) So he gets shot in the back? Is that the idea? Maybe. I'm
0: not sure. Bring it on. Bring it on. Uh, Somebody else says, I sometimes hear Christians make a distinction between defending him or herself versus defending their family, brethren, others. In other words, if possible, it is the right thing to do to save lives when one has the ability. How does that idea play into this question? So, so I think if I understand this question, the idea is what about it's not just saving myself. I'm trying to defend somebody else. I'm trying to save somebody else's life.
1: Well, in the first place with that hypothetical dude breaking into my house in the middle of the night, uh, don't think that I'm not going to tackle him. All right, I I didn't play high school football for three years for nothing. There you go. So one thing I'm not going to do is pull out a shotgun and blow his head off. Right, right, right. You
0: know what? I was thinking about this too. And I, I agree. I will do what I can to stop this from happening, what this man is intent on doing, short of doing something that would be unloving. Now, Somebody's definition of unloving is, well, if you tackle him, that's not loving because he doesn't want you to tackle him.
1: <laughs> not not just every quarterback in football.
0: <laughs> yeah. Lo- doing the loving thing is not always doing what somebody else wants. It's right. what is good for somebody. Exactly. I-, I spanked my children. I can tell you most of the time I spanked them. They did not want me to. <laughs> I did tell you thank you afterwards. But it, it was good for them. Yes. Uh, so-, so there you go. Uh, we've got another viewer who's, got, who's calling attention to, we've got, we got a backlog of questions. We'll try to get to everybody's comments and yeah. questions here. But we've got a comment, uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. Randy says, with this situation, I recall what Jesus said in Matthew 10, 28, which is, uh, be not afraid of them that kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. That's yeah. kind of to the point, isn't
1: it? Well, that's what it's all about, and Jesus is talking to who? He's talking to his twelve that He's sending out. Who are going to be in danger? They're going to be in danger. They're going to be arrested. They're going to be beat up. They're going to be. They're going to be traveling the highways when there's robbers out there. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of bad situations. Uh, the the point is, the Lord will be with them. I, I remember this passage somewhere about the Lord is my shepherd. Have you heard that one? Uh vaguely sounds familiar. Uh, yeah. Something. <laughs> We quote something, these passages all the time, and then we don't apply them. Something in there about thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. It doesn't say my Smith and my Wesson, they comfort me. Right, right. It says my rod and I, It's God that takes care of me. When, when I was on that bus that was hijacked, yeah. I knew who was in control. It wasn't the guys with the guns. It wasn't me. It was the boss. Yeah. My God is in control, and so I'm just going to write it out. So... Well, just kind of stepping back and looking at this big picture, We're, we need to
0: get into the weeds here in a minute. We need to talk about all these passages of Scripture that people bring up, like in Luke chapter 22 when Jesus tells his disciples to, to buy a sword and that kind of thing. We need to talk about that. But stepping back, big picture, Jesus was asked,
1: what is the great commandment, and what did he say? Uh, when Jesus was reaching the end of oh, the great commandment, he said, is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second greatest, love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. And, and then, place in the Sermon on the Mount, when he's wrapping it up and drawing his conclusion, in Matthew 7, verse 12, he says that you should treat other people the way you want to be treated. That's the sum of the law and the prophets.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Killing somebody is not how I want to be. I don't want you to kill me. And if you say killing somebody is a loving thing to do, then please don't love me. All right. Yeah. So in
0: Romans the 13th chapter, Paul quotes that statement Jesus made when he talked about the second greatest commandment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he says, um, he that loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. That's Romans thirteen eight. And mm-hmm. then he says in verse 10, love works no ill to his neighbor. Love therefore is the fulfillment of the law. If I kill somebody, I assume I'm killing somebody who's doing some evil or why would I be killing him? If I'm killing somebody who's doing some evil, I don't know. I don't understand how that's not working ill to him. And if it's working ill, it's not love.
1: Another translation says love does no harm to a neighbor. Okay. And that's kind of like harming him somewhat.
0: Stephen Cuffler has a good question here, and uh, he says, honest questions he's had people ask. Here's the question, going back to our our, uh, idea of somebody breaking into your home and you you played football so you would tackle him. Uh, Stephen says, tackling him could cause him to fall and break his neck. Then you've killed him without a weapon. Where do you draw the distinction? Why are you defending yourself at all if you don't love your life? Honest questions I've had people ask. It's a good question. All right. Uh, excuse me just a second. Go right ahead. Go right ahead. Uh, if you've got something uh, else to do there, we'll let you take Donald your phone call. Uh, uh, and,
1: it's uh, President Trump. I'm sorry. I'm going to have take <laughs> it. He calls me all the time. I just I – come on, man. You're the president. <laughs> what what, what uh, Stephen is asking, there's a very good point. Uh, recognize this distinction. He's describing – an accident that would happen. My tackling is intentional, but the breaking the neck is not what I intend. Right. It's not what anybody would expect ordinarily in a situation like that. That's an accident. Yeah. And um, it's different from me pulling out a shotgun, blowing his head off. That's- All
0: kinds of accidents happen in the workplace and construction where there's, there's the potential, there's danger. We sometimes have to do things that uh, are physically demanding and there can be accidents that happen. But my intent is is important here. We got another comment here from a viewer. Uh, Danny says, thoughts on Matthew 24, 43. Uh, and uh, he says, be, he's quoting now Matthew 24, 43. But be certain of this, that if the master of the house had had knowledge of the time when the thief was coming, he would have been watching and would not have let his house be broken into. Yeah. I, I don't want to let my house be broken into. Does that mean I can do anything at all to keep him from breaking into my house? Can yeah, I?
1: Let's, let's apply that same concept to feeding my family. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to plant a garden, whatever is legitimate to feed my family. I'm not going to steal from a neighbor. That's right. Legitimate. Exactly. In my house, I'll lock the doors. I'll, I'll play a tape recording of a bad sounding dog. I'll put alarms up and all the rest but I'm not going to blow his head off. Uh, you know, if,
0: if I can justify killing him because Jesus said, you know, I wouldn't let my house get broken into, then can I justify if I'm a woman and it's a man trying to break into my house, can I say, listen, if you won't break into my house, I'll come out there and commit fornication with you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I we recognize recognize. I can't justify any activity at all just because
1: Jesus talked about not letting your house get broken into. Exactly. And that passage is not teaching about home protection. That passage is about the return of Christ and is coming at an unexpected time. Exactly. So somebody else, uh, an anonymous viewer says, don't
0: I have a responsibility to provide for my family in every physical sense? You know, we could think of First Timothy, the fifth chapter. In fact, uh, yes, this person even referenced it. I'm worse than an infidel if I don't. Would this include protecting them from physical harm? In the case in Texas, would I be neglecting that responsibility if I just
1: did nothing? Well, again, nobody is suggesting just do nothing. Right. Uh, I'll lock the doors. I'll get an alarm system. If D.B., I'll tackle him. Uh, I can even step in and take a bullet. And so there are a lot of things that are that are legitimate things that I can do. I won't do an illegitimate thing.
0: And one thing I'll tell you this, this: this thought has crossed my mind. I want my children. Not only do I want to protect my children from physical harm, I want to. I want my children to grow up seeing me live an exemplary life where I put God's things first and I obey God's will. And I don't want them to see the example of somebody who compromises, who does that, which God's word condemns when the going gets rough. Mm-hmm. So if that means I lose my life, um, if that means they lo- lose their lives, uh, if, if I have trained them the way they ought to be so that they're in Christ, they're with the Lord. Uh,
1: And and one point that we can't ignore and and nobody's bringing up, Jesus commands us to love our enemies. This guy, obviously, the the hypothetical thief or whatever, is an enemy of sorts. My command isn't kill the enemy, it's to love the enemy. And there's no getting around that.
0: we got another good question. This one goes to the one about Jesus telling his disciples to buy a sword. This is in Luke chapter 22 and and uh cal i'm just going to let you take this one it starts in luke 22 the context does about verse 35 i'll set it up this is when jesus is the night before he is crucified he's um giving some instructions to his 12 i guess not judas judas is not there by now i think um go ahead take tackle this
1: right <laughs> tackle it <Thank laughs>
0: but don't shoot it just tackle it <laughs> uh.
1: In the instruction of the gifts, he compares the instructions he gave them earlier in the the limited commission. And now he compares, he says, but now, uh, verse 36, whoever has a money belt is to take it along. Likewise, also a bag. And whoever has no sword is to sell his coat and buy one. So there's a a command. Right.
0: And so people say, there you have the justification for using
1: lethal force. Jesus said, go buy a sword. Kill him. No, no, no. Uh, Let me make three points about this. Number one. Uh, when Peter, shortly after this, uses a sword in defense of Jesus, the most innocent one ever, in the most unjust event ever in history, doesn't praise him, Jesus rebukes him. How odd, after Jesus had just said to buy a sword. He not only rebukes him, but he rebukes him and says, all those who take the sword will die by the sword. That's in Matthew's account. All those who take the sword. So he's not just telling Peter, I got to be arrested. He's making a broad sweeping application to all those who take the sword. So the question then is, is Jesus speaking here literally or figuratively? When he says, by a sword. When he says, by a sword. When the disciples respond, these slow-witted disciples, because they're (laughs) slow to catch on, when they respond by holding up, here, Lord, here are two. Uh, And Jesus says, enough. Now, if you take that in a literal sense, like that's enough, yeah. uh, how are two swords enough to defend 12 apostles going out into all parts of the earth? It's not. Or even in so, the immediate context,
0: there's going to be a whole mob of people coming to arrest Jesus with weapons. And you've got Jesus' 12 apostles with only two swords, and Jesus says it's enough?
1: So it, it, it's not a literal thing. It's not literal. Okay. Two swords are not literal, not literally enough to defend 12 apostles, etc. Also, if you take this literally, as some try to, and I think they want to just bolster their preconceived position, if you take it literally, this is not an option. This is a command. It's in third person. Yep. imperative. yep, yep. Rather, Sell his cloak and buy a sword. Yep. That means every Christian must buy a weapon or you're disobeying Christ. That means the 12 year old girls, the Christians in the nursing homes. That means every single child of God must buy a weapon. There's no conscientious objector option here. So, what was Jesus saying? What did he mean when he says buy a sword? He's saying, When you went out on limited commission, the people welcomed you into their homes. You didn't have to take your food with you. They took care of you. It's not going to be that way now. Let me ask you, in your travels in Colombia, do you see machetes or machetes? Machete? uh, Yes, all the time. A machete is a great tool. Farmers use them. Cattlemen use them all the time. They'd be walking down the street with that machete and a sheath on the side. Man, they're tough. But they don't use that machete against people. There you go. Tool. There you go. And we got a sword will be a handy tool if you're out on your own and people aren't taking you into their homes. Uh, firewood, I don't know, hunting knife, all sorts of uses for it.
0: We got another viewer says, how does the idea of not resisting the one who is evil in Matthew five thirty nine play into this? How much beyond just not killing them is included?
1: Mm-hmm. In that context, Jesus is in the eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth context. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about doing violence against somebody, eye for an eye, violence against somebody. Uh, in the book of Acts, we can find Paul and others resist in the form of running away, mm-hmm. hiding, going to another city, uh, mm-hmm. get out of the dangerous situation. You can resist in that sense, but resist in the sense of harming someone else. There's not one example in the whole New Testament of a Christian shedding one drop of human blood with God's approval. But we do have instance in the book of Acts
0: where people are in mortal danger. You have Paul being stoned at, at Lystra.
1: Uh, was it? Uh, yeah. yeah. Lystra and, and Iconium, yes. And, and uh, nearly yeah. to death. Stephen and, is stoned. And, and you remember the part there where he picks up the stones and starts throwing them back at the fellows, right? I didn't remember that part. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Wait. Maybe he didn't. <laughs> I don't think he did. Dan, uh, we've got a viewer.
0: Dan says asks this. So when you wake up to an intruder in your house, there could be a second. For, there could be a second for all you know, mm-hmm. and you and you could be killed. And unthinkable things could be done to your wife and daughter because you did not protect them. Do their lives not matter? in the scheme of protection? Should you just allow the potential for those men to do those things? Mm -hmm. It has to be recognized that the man can overpower you and
1: intend to lead no witnesses. Uh, What you're saying is there's bad people out there? I agree. And they do bad things to good people? I agree. Jesus gave instructions to the 12 in Matthew chapter 10. I think it's verse 16 or verse 26. And he said, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Sheep are 100% vulnerable. They're not a threat to anybody. I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be shrewd as serpents, he says, and be harmless as doves. That's his instruction. I accept that. I accept being vulnerable as a sheep, and my family accepts that also. Thank you very much. I appreciate your concern about my family. They accept being vulnerable. That's the Lord's will. Those are his marching orders. And we accept that. Got
0: another viewer says, uh, Daryl says, the point being made about taking another person's life being in contradiction to the principle to love Mm -hmm. seems to miss a point from Scripture. He says, at the same time God told Israel to love your neighbor, the same command that Jesus repeated in his ministry, that same law at that same time told the Israelites that in some cases they not only could but must take the life of another. In view of that, the argument that taking another's
1: life violates the principle to love seems to be lacking. Thoughts? Well, number one, if that's the way that you love me, then please don't love me. Uh, There's not many people that would say you're killing me is an act of love. You might point out also that the concept of who is a neighbor in the Old Testament is rather limited, limited precisely to Israel, your fellow Israelite. However, in the New Testament, Jesus broadens that to all mankind.
0: I think that's a valid distinction, although I think the question here is alluding to the fact that sometimes um, the Israelites were even to take uh, fellow Israelites' lives. They were to put to death fellow Israelites. And I would make this point. If God tells me to take somebody's life, that's, that's not my uh, judgment on this person. That's God's judgment. And if God tells me to take somebody's life, well, that's God's judgment. That's God's will. And I I don't have a choice. I can't say, well, I'm a conscientious objector. I just have to do it. And that's the position the Israelites were in. The problem that we have when we try to bring that over today to us is we cannot establish where God has told us take this person's life. In this situation, you kill that
1: person. If this person does this, you kill him. We don't have that. We don't have that. And so if you take away all the commands to love, to treat others the way you want to be treated, because again, killing that fella isn't the way I want him to treat me. If you take away all those commands, then I'm left with the question, well, what's to keep you then? What's wrong with you then just up and killing somebody for no good reason? Yeah. All right. this is something I want to be sure and
0: get to, and we only have about 11 minutes left of this webcast. Wow. So let's get to it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of the things that I sometimes hear, and I, I hear I hear people who have been baptized into Christ for the remission of sins say this. They say, I'm willing to give up my life. I'm willing to to be killed if it's for Christ, if somebody is trying to kill me because I'm a Christian, mm-hmm. but if somebody is trying to kill me or those whom I love or care for for some other reason, mm-hmm. then I'm not going to stand by and let
1: it happen. I am right to kill him. That's, that's usually the approach taken in Matthew 5, verse 39, the uh, turn the other cheek, do not resist evil passage. They say, well, that's only talking about religious persecution. Nothing in the context says that's only religious persecution. And if in the context of this discussion, we start by talking about an invasion into a church by a man that news reports say was an atheist and hated religious people, then that might be a context of religious persecution. So you can't have it both ways.
0: Yeah. And you know, in, a case, in this case in Texas, it's kind of interesting. He went in and killed people meeting in a church building who were worshiping. And yet apparently his motive was some family problem. Well, he had mental illness and there was a mother-in-law that might have been there and wasn't there on the occasion. So what do we do? So we're in a church building and we're worshiping God and somebody comes in with a gun And these people who are packing heat and they're going to defend the lives of the worshipers by shooting this guy, are they going to first stop and ask him, (coughs) excuse me, sir, before you shoot us and before we shoot you, we need to understand, are you here to persecute us because we are Christians? Or are you here because you're mad at your mother-in-law and you want to kill her and anybody else is collateral damage? Mm -hmm. Uh, Who's going to stand there and ask that question? Not that
1: it's a relevant question. No, it's, it's not. It's not. And before the broadcast is over, let's remind everybody we've got some basic points. Number one, love your neighbor, love your enemy. Love, defined in Romans 13, does no harm to a neighbor. So you can't harm that person if you're loving him. You're commanded to treat others the way you want to be treated. I don't want people to kill me. Therefore, I cannot kill people. We need to follow the example of Christ. He never harmed anyone, period, at all no christian in any part of the new testament ever shed one drop of human blood except peter in the garden and jesus didn't praise him jesus rebuked him
0: i got something i want to run by you and i'm not sure you can shoot this down if you don't think this is valid but it's in first peter the fourth chapter and i think this is a passage some people have in mind when they make a distinction between using lethal force when i'm not being persecuted as a christian but not using lethal force if I am being persecuted as a Christian. And the, and the passage is in First Peter, the fourth chapter, and verse 14. And I'll read verses 14 through 16. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. The mm-hmm. spirit of glory and the spirit of God rests upon you. For let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler in other men's matters. But if a man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this name. <clears throat> and so I think some people read that or think of that passage, and they think, well, that means if I suffer as a Christian, uh, that means I'm, I'm being attacked because I'm a Christian. i got a couple of thoughts about that. In one sense, any time I accept any suffering at all by doing what is right rather than responding in a wrong way, my suffering as a Christian, Amen. it doesn't matter what his intention is. Uh, I, I sometimes preach a lesson where I talk about um, the the spiritual forces that are at work in this world and the principalities and the powers. There are good forces. There's uh, Hebrews one fourteen that says angels are ministers uh, for the sake of them that shall inherit salvation. Uh, the devil has his entities working on his behalf. Uh, there's the passage in Revelation 12 where it first pictures the conflict on the cross as as the dragon is trying to devour the child and the child is caught up to God, but then it's pictured from a heavenly point of view, and there's a war in heaven Mm -hmm. that corresponds to this. And the point I'm getting at is we look at things that happen in life, whether it's illness or personal conflicts or whatever, and we sometimes fail to see that there's a spiritual battle behind that and if i choose to do what is right in those situations where i'm tempted to do what is wrong and i suffer for it am i not suffering for christ and and here's the point i want to ask you if you think this is valid first peter the whole context of first peter much of the context talks about accepting wrong Accepting suffering, going back to first Peter chapter two, servants who have abusive masters they're to submit to those masters, and christ 's example is held up as is the one there to follow. those servants aren 't suffering because they're being persecuted because they are Christians, but are not they suffering as christians
1: they 're suffering as Christians, and they're to have a Christian demeanor <clears throat> sufferings. Adhere to those Christian principles, even though it brings suffering. Adhere to those Christian principles in spite of whatever suffering might come. You, you do what is right. As a Christian, a- anybody in this life is going to face suffering. We Christians will face suffering nobly. And, and people will see the difference between us and the world, and they'll take notice.
0: One of our viewers, since this comment, uh, Debra says, self-defense is not murder.
1: Well, uh, no, and my style of self-defense isn't murder. And, my style of self-defense is running.
0: And if I kill somebody in self-defense, it, it may not be murder in the eyes of the law, but it's also not love. And that's really what we're talking about.
1: It's treating somebody the way that I don't want to be treated. Uh, another question I had asked earlier uh, what should be my reaction if someone is trying to kill me? Should I defend myself? Uh, until what point? Mm-hmm. Running is not illegitimate. I'm good at running. <laughs> I used to. Be, well, I never was real good at it, but I used to be better at it than well, I am now. It says, "Be shrewd as serpents," and so part of defense is staying out of of uh, needlessly dangerous situations. Okay, if that's where the gospel needs to be preached, I'll go there. But uh, if there's two ways to get there and one way goes through danger and the other doesn't, I'll, I'll take the easy way. All right. Uh, so, so there's a number of ways to avoid somebody killing me that stops short of me killing somebody else. Mm-hmm. And so, So just to go back to, when we talk about this, we, we,
0: we do need to get down in the weeds and talk about some of these passages like the buying a sword. And we've talked about that today. But mm-hmm. I guess if if we could just drive home the point, you've hit it a couple of times. Underlying everything that we're taught is the concept of love, loving God mm-hmm. and loving our neighbor as ourselves. And in the New Testament, our neighbor is, is anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I. I look at this individual who's coming in to do me harm, and I can either prioritize my personal desire to continue living on this earth, mm-hmm. which shouldn't be my ultimate desire if I love not my life even unto death. But if I'm if I'm failing to get that in my head, and I I can either prioritize my personal desire to live longer on this earth, or I can prioritize his well-being, which is I, I've destroyed his well-being if I kill him and and thus make sure he goes to hell. Take away his possibility of salvation. It's it's kind of the question, am I going to be
1: selfless or selfish? Um, and we, we have that bottom line. Jesus said, all those who take the sword will die by the sword. So we've got
0: a viewer named Jack who's, I'm sorry,
1: go ahead, finish your point. People can talk about self-defense and all the rest. Jesus still says, all those who take the sword will die by the sword.
0: Mm-hmm. Jack says, if you want to be consistent, you cannot tackle the intruder. You can only tell him about God or flee. Also, your view would make it to where it is a sin for a Christian to serve in the military or be a police officer, etc. I want you to speak to this last part especially because you were in this situation. Yes, I was. I was in the military. The the first part, I'm going to just go back to again. No, it's not inconsistent to say I would tackle the intruder any more than it's inconsistent to say I'll spank my child. I, I can love my child and spank him that's going to do him good I can tackle that intruder and prevent him from doing something that's going to ruin the rest of his life and I'm doing him good
1: gospel and obeys it he'll thank me for tackling
0: he will he will but all right is it possible for a Christian to serve in the military you were in that
1: situation yes I was and I know that our time is short we got two minutes yeah. Okay, Uh, I'll just say I'll resort to that passage. There's a thousand passages. I'll go back to the passage where Jesus says, all those who take the sword will die by the sword. Tertullian, a very, very early Christian, I think second century, maybe third. uh, He said with that statement, Jesus unbelted every soldier.
0: Now, let me throw this question to you, because here's the way I, I think about this. I cannot, whether it's as a soldier or as a police officer, or whatever, I can't kill somebody. But if I'm already in the military, when I become a Christian, as you were, if I can find some way to continue to serve without doing something that would be
1: sinful, um, I may get out as soon as I could. But know, that's exactly what happened with me. I, I, I had the, the quandary. I had already sworn an oath to serve yeah. for four years, mm-hmm. so I can't just quit one day. Yeah. But now my boss tells me I can't go killing people. And so uh, at that time, the military wasn't, U.S. was not actively involved in any warfare anywhere. So, my very young and immature way of resolving that was as long as we stay out of any killing action, any wars, I'll go ahead and finish my oath, my term, mm-hmm. fixing electronic equipment, which wasn't actively killing anybody. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, listen, Cal, thanks for joining us today. Really appreciated having you on. Thanks for everybody who sent us comments and questions. We're out of time, but we'll look forward to seeing you next week at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Been a real pleasure. Thank you, Jeff.